Right. If they say you can't wear a bikini to right. school, you have to comply with that. Indeed. That, that's not a violation of your constitutional rights. Right. If they're concerned about public health and they say you have to wear a mask, that's not a violation of any constitutional right. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. I brought us some beer. All right, Dave. Yes, I I wanted to to give you a lesson in... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I need a lesson. Yep. And if you're bringing beer, I'll drink whatever it is. Oh, I, look at this. I brought you some Miller Lite. Some Miller Lite. All mm. right. Yeah. Mm, delicious. Here, you're going to have... I'm going to pass that over to you. And oh, yeah. I brought one of my, my favorite beers. It is KBS. Never heard of it. It's made by Founders. It is a bourbon barrel-aged stout. It is... Awesome. Okay. And you have to drink three of these. What? Miller Lights. <laughs> while I drink this one KBS. Oh, yeah, that's fine with me. Is that the same amount of alcohol? It is. The three Miller Lights I, with one? Yeah, it's, it's close. It's pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. So. Fantastic. Yeah. And I also got us some oh, look at oatmeal. This. Cream pies. Oatmeal cream pies. Oh, man, this yeah. is going to be great. So um, we can get fat and sassy on that and get oh, thick yeah. and greasy. That's right. And if you remember my story before, uh, I will not be eating too many of these. Right, because yes. they really tear you up. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I just saw a meme on the internet. Yeah. Uh, it said, why do people spend $300 to get a colon cleanse? Don't they know about Taco <laughs> Bell? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, yeah, the same for, is true for these oatmeal cream pies. Uh, yeah, you eat several of those, and you don't you don't need to spend that kind of money on a yeah. A but colon one or cleanse. two of them are great. Yeah, I can't say the same for Taco Bell. So this is this is in light of our our um, my elitist stuff. beer. Yeah, and your your hobobery. My ho- <laughs> I'm a beer hobo. No, this is I. You know I'm. It's still we got. I'm still the memory of summer here and. It's uh, hot outside and sweating, and so yeah, Miller Lite, that works well for me. Well, there you go. Yeah. It's a Friday night. Yeah. It's, yeah, you're right. It's dark outside. Yeah. It's getting cooler. The summer's winding down. This is this is perfect. Miller Lite and oatmeal cream pies. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome right. to the Hopper Podcast. Let's do it. Hey, I wanted to follow up with you about uh, the latest with vaccines oh, and yeah. masks. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, in the news, Biden has just announced a mandate of sorts. Okay. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Companies with 100 people or more yeah. have to have um, vaccinations or weekly tests okay. to try to protect uh, that number of people in a yeah. workspace. Yeah. Um, and this is getting a lot of press as a like a mandate um, issue. Can a government mandate a vaccine? And we kind of talked about it just very briefly. So let's talk just, about it some more. Yeah. Um, maybe we need to back up from there and just talk about what's happened um, with some of our research on COVID-19. 
Um, Maybe I'm happy to go right into uh, the. Uh, I mean, at least some of the stuff with the, with yeah. uh, mandates. So, well, let me just tell you one thing I, I found sure. out. Uh, right. So, you know, um, uh, I discovered that there is a relapse issue that is rare, That's but it's happening, uh, where people seem to get over COVID, and then a week later they tank and they're far worse. Yeah. I don't know if that's what happened in my house. So we we just got over COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids had it one, two, three, and then my wife and I had it. And uh, we both felt bad for a week, yeah. fatigue. Yeah. We, we both have been vaccinated. Yeah. Um, and then we felt better for a week. And then we felt sick again. Right. Only she was really sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know what variant it was or anything, probably Delta. Mm, um, and you know, I feel better now and, and she's better. We're all, we're all healthy at this point. Okay, good. I'm glad. And yeah. So, um, I did a little research about that. Sure. Was it COVID the first time around? Was it not? Yeah. And, uh, I don't know the frequency that this is happening, but it does give us some pause Yeah. to think about, um, spreading and preventing the spread of disease mm-hmm. when you think you've gotten over it and yeah. then you feel fine for a week and then suddenly... You're not over it. Yeah. I read another article where it's, um, it appears to be hiding in the brain. Mm. That was a scarier ar- uh, article. Sure, sure. Um, and then I've, I've had a conversation with a good friend of mine who said that he has not gotten the vaccine because he's read an article about proteins uh, that are being engineered by the vaccine for your body to manufacture these proteins. Mm-hmm. That they're building up in certain organs. And he's concerned about long-term health yeah, that we're sure, unaware of. Sure. And I said, well, I, you know, I guess you have to gauge uh, the cost benefit analysis. Exactly. Uh, yeah. What, what are you more afraid of? Right. What those proteins may or may not do in the future. Right. Um, mm-hmm. versus what mm-hmm. COVID may do to you now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, which gets to the mandate, you know, when, when do you say, Hey, you just need to go get vaccinated. Yeah. You know, I, I think people should be vaccinated. Of course. Uh, yeah. My wife and I are, and, and I think it's, uh, it's going to prevent the flooding of our public health system and needless loss of life. Uh, and the question that we're going to ask tonight is, should it be mandated? By the government? Yeah, can a government mandate it? And uh, by the way, that's not what I'm seeing yet. Right. Okay. Um, and we can, we can differentiate what we mean by mandate. There could be different levels of mandating something. Oh, yeah, of course. So to suggest companies of large size have to have a vaccine or weekly testing. Mm-hmm. That's more of just a nuisance pressure, right? Indeed. Like, I don't want to be tested every week. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a, a nuisance for me. To avoid that nuisance, I'm going to get vaccinated. Okay, so it's a little bit of pressure. So my other thought about that is that also, not only is it um, not exactly a mandate, but also uh, in, in the way that you just said, but also because it's in companies that are more than 100 people. Mm-hmm. Which is targeted, I think, pretty well, in the, because it is for places where you're going to be with a, potentially a whole bunch of people, right? Right, and so and a lot of people don't work for companies that are 100 people or more, and so it's not a mandate for everybody. It's if you're likely to get into a large crowd on a regular basis, yeah, you got to be vaccinated. Yeah, and so the next step I would think, yeah. as far as a mandate would be, you're not going to 
you're not going to hold on to your job if you don't get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. That's more pressure. Yeah. Now we're talking about livelihood, feeding your kids, saving for retirement. And the question, there's a big question there is who is doing the mandating? Is it the government or is it that company? That company, right. Right. So for example, I work in a company where you do have to be vaccinated in order to keep your job. We've Mm -hmm. got, I've got uh, a few folks in our company um, that are deciding to quit because uh, I work for a healthcare company, and pretty much all healthcare companies are going this way, but it's yeah. not a government mandate. It's a healthcare company. And the reason is because they don't want to lose healthcare workers. Right. They don't want to have to deal with that. And we're seeing lots and lots of patients who are telling us we don't want anyone to come and care for us if they haven't been vaccinated. Right. And that's nothing new. I mean, right. healthcare professionals have been forced to have the flu vaccine and other things right. for a long, long time. And I think I think there's a huge difference between the government coming in and saying, yeah. you have to be va- everyone has to be vaccinated or whatever, uh, and a private company saying everyone that we have is going to be vaccinated and or our customers are going to be vaccinated. I mean, let me put it this way. Uh, I'm going to be right now, in this moment, far more likely to go sit down at a restaurant if they are checking uh, vaccine cards at the door mm-hmm. for all the patrons. Right. Right? And if they're not doing that, I'm not going to sit down anywhere. Uh, and so that's, you know, and so a company may make that choice, and I think that they're free to make that choice mm-hmm. to say, you have to be vaccinated, we're going to check our cards at the door, that kind of thing. But for the government to to impose that, to me, see, feels very, very different. Yes. Very different. Very indeed. different. Um and uh, I guess, you know, you could just keep ratcheting up the level of mandate to the point where, uh, hypothetically, the police show up and make you receive a vaccine, which I think right. we mentioned last time. Right. That happened in Philadelphia over measles at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, they, it was law. You have to get yeah. this vaccine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and people complied with that. Yeah. But I think we have a different political climate now. Um, That's right. And, you know, when Biden made this announcement, which is... Again, companies who have 100 people, and it's really just the pressure of, I don't want a, a weekly test. That's mm-hmm. a nuisance to me. But otherwise, you don't have to be vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you if you watched Fox News or if you were on social media, which is this huge propaganda machine, mm-hmm. um, it was like uh, the United States was falling apart. Right, right. Um, all our rights are gone away. And Well, that's um, – uh, the, all of the, the big um, news outlets that are run by commercials, they're just trying to get views. And so I think this is the same, you know, Fox and, and CNN and uh, right. MSNBC. It goes both ways, for sure. For all the different outlets, all the, yeah. I mean, they, they're not trying to inform the public. I don't think that's even, that, that's not even a goal for them. Their, their goal is to sell uh, viewers. Yeah, and to make their so constituents whatever, happy. Yeah, and they're going to they're gonna make it the, the most outlandish, everybody, uh, all those. Their, their goal is to make it the most outlandish. I have to pay attention to this. Yeah, which says a lot about the American public, yeah. right? That we prefer uh, mudslinging, fear-mongering, uh, hatred, self-righteousness. We prefer that. Whether you're a, yeah. a, a conservative or a liberal and you're watching Fox News or CNN, you're, you want to feel empowered sure. when the opposite guy in office is being trashed it makes me i I would never be in office you can't win there's no way (laughs) you can only make a a percentage of the people happy if you if you tote their line right Right, and guys like you and i who are in the middle trying to bring rational hospitable conversation to both sides uh we just we have no friends (laughs) (laughs) that's right (laughs) although there's a growing number of people in the country there are that are saying this this is tiring we want to throw it out yeah okay so let's back to the mandates yeah yeah, so uh, when is it wrong for a government 
to mandate or apply that kind of pressure. Uh, is it is it ever right? What are your thoughts? I think, yes, I think that there, it is right at times. Mm-hmm. It is right at times, and I think it obviously is definitely wrong at times. And it's it's very nuanced. I don't think that there are good rules about it, or at least I don't have any in my any. I don't have like a definitive list of rules in my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's um, and maybe it's a case by case basis. That's what I would suggest. Um, yeah, you know, COVID. Like I said before, I'm not as worried about my kids or younger generations. Although their hospitalizations sure. and deaths are increasing Indeed. as, as yes. the, it's spreading across all the schools. That's right. That's where my kids got at school. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's uh, there there are kids that die from the flu as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's hard to to navigate some of this. Uh, if now let's just pretend that there was a mutation that was particularly fatal to all. Uh, age brackets, and mm-hmm. uh, then I think people would begin to see this clearer. I would hope so, but I would have thought that people would see it clearly now, and I, I don't think that's the case. Mm-hmm. I think people um, struggle to, many people struggle to misunderstand, struggle to understand, and so they misunderstand um, the concept of community health. Yeah. And we talked yeah. some about that last time, and mostly then they are, th- and I think it has to do with the hyper-individualism of the United States, which is unique. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, kids, high school kids, mm-hmm. even middle school kids, uh, probably inflamed by their parents' politics, are going to school and throwing a fit about wearing a mask. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've heard some of this rhetoric, and it, it talks about constitutional rights, yeah. which, is, um, which is odd because there is no constitutional right that you can go to, pu- that you, you have a right to public school. Right. Public school is a... Is Kind of like a driver's license is a privilege. Yes, it's for all people, and there there are some. It's more than a driver's license because that's a very individual thing, mm-hmm. but it affects the masses. Your poor driving yes. endangers other people, right? Correct. And so I think it's perfectly legitimate for a public school system to say you can't come to school if you don't wear a mask or have a vaccine or we, be vaccinated. Are, the old vaccines are all required yeah. for going to school. They are. They are. Um, so I think that's legitimate. Yeah. Where some people feel like it's in a violation of their rights. And I think we have, we're misusing the word rights. I, I agree. I mean, if, if you look at the, the amendments to the Constitution, you're not going to see anything about public school. Right. I mean, you can get an education at private school. You can be homeschooled. Yeah. There, there are other options. But if you want to make use of the public school system, then you have to follow their rules. Right. If they say you can't wear a bikini to right. school, you have to comply with that. Indeed. That, that's not a violation of your constitutional rights. Right. If they're concerned about public health and they say you have to wear a mask, that's not a violation of any constitutional right. Mm-hmm. If you want to participate in the public school system and that's the rule, then that's what you have to do. But you're free to go somewhere else. Yeah. And I think that, that if the evidence suggests that, I mean, we don't want some kind of dictatorial principal who, sure. who whatever, you know, who's, who's saying, for sure. you know, you have to... Um, you know, wear a full hazmat suit for you know for community yeah. health. To go. I mean, that's silly, but there there is really good evidence about masks and mm-hmm. about vaccines, as we've talked about in the past. Yeah, that's that's a good point because you know, the Bill of Rights. I think it's the Ninth Amendment. Okay. is sort of a catch-all, mm-hmm. like the people's rights, yeah. um, uh, inalienable rights. Mm-hmm. And so, someone might try to make the argument that public school is that fits in that category. I, I'm not sure. I see that. Mm. Since there are other schooling options, and it seems like it's a public service, yeah. not a right. Um, and there are so many other rules, as I've mentioned, that you have to comply with to be a part of the public system. Yeah, I mean, you you uh, you can't carry a firearm in certain places. That's right. public law. Yeah, and, totally. Um, there are just numerous things like that 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 are not 
so inflammatory. Yeah. Like, oh, they're violating my rights, they're violating my rights. Yeah. Um, what about just making sure that other people are healthy, safe, or at least, at the very least, they feel safer? Given this, this is a crisis, this is a global pandemic, we haven't been in this before, it's been, yeah. you know, before our lifetime, before our parents' lifetime, yeah, sure. that there was a global pandemic. Right. There have been little, there have been close calls, yeah. but, but, you know, influenza was the last biggie. And it seems to me that, that there's really, really good argument that the public really want, this is in the public interest. Right. Um, if I can argue it from the right a little bit, uh, my understanding is that a lot of the folks who have been on, on uh, unemployment because they lost their jobs or they weren't able to, you know, they were... Uh, they were let go because uh, people are not customers are not there because of COVID or whatever. Like all that is ending, um, if uh, unless I uh, have something new happened that I didn't listen to in the last couple of days, all that's ending at just the time when restaurants are now letting people go, and they're not hiring people anymore because this new surge of COVID means that people are not going out to eat anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about hurting the economy. Uh, this new surge of COVID is. We're losing jobs again, right? And so all these people are going to come back into the workforce. Need to come, need to come back to jobs. And uh, three or four months ago, there were plenty of jobs. Now there's far, far fewer. Yes. Um, it, when I think about this, mm-hmm. the the big problem that I have, we mentioned last time, was the the public healthcare system is getting overloaded. Uh-huh. And that affects everybody. So that's huge. Anyone who huge. needs hospital care and can't get it because there's sick people in front of them with COVID who didn't get a vaccine, who did whatever. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is, that's a public problem, and we need public solutions yeah. to that. Um, I don't think that a government should ever force a drug, particularly a, an experimental drug, sure. into its constituents. Um, I don't think I'm there. I think that that uh, again, you want to use public services. You need to comply by the rules. So sure. let so let me just entertain this. Let me press maybe medical ethics for a second. Okay, and you're you're um, welcome to to banter with me on this. Yeah, if we have a we have a, an ethic in triage when people come, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to take people in um, whether they have COVID or they have a heart attack or yes. what have you. Uh, we're going to treat everyone the same, mm-hmm. and I that I agree with. Uh, it, it's making me wonder, though, mm-hmm. if if there is a a constituent of people who are in a high risk category. Yes, and that may be argued what what defines high risk. Yes, but if they're in a high risk category and they don't want to be vaccinated, yeah. I can't say that we should force that or I necessarily blame them until I can't get in the hospital. Sure. So it makes me wonder if if our triage should be altered in some way. If there should be a COVID tent set up in a parking lot, like the military tents that are that are very comfortable, by the way, mm, okay. um, I've been in one. Okay, um, they're they're climate controlled, and there's beds, hospital beds, and sure, sure. Um, you know, is, is there something like that that should take place to protect people coming into the hospital? That is a direct violation to our current medical ethics. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you see what I'm what I'm beginning to to tease out. Like if that's really the big problem, is our public health healthcare system being being overrun? Mm-hmm. What can be done other than mandating vaccines to to alleviate the pressure on the public healthcare system? Oh, 
there's not a whole lot that that practically can be done. The problem is not, so when we say there's only X number of ICU beds left or there's not enough ICU beds, it's not really about the physical beds. Maybe that's what you were thinking of when you were talking about building a tent, uh, a tent hospital or something. It's not the physical beds. It's the doctors. It's the nurses. It's the ventilators. Those can actually be replaced pretty easily. But we can't train doctors real fast. And we can't train nurses real fast. Right. Uh, and so we need a humongous influx of doctors and nurses. And let me tell you, this is not doing any good uh, for recruiting doctors and nurses. A lot of I know uh, a number of nurses now that are leaving the profession over the, this crisis because they're like, this is not worth my time. This is not worth my life and my family's life. Hmm. Um, it's, they're being treated so harshly, and they're being... Yeah. Uh, uh, burned out. So the hospitals are saying, okay, so you, normally you work three 12-hour shifts a week. That's a full-time job. That's typical for a hospital nurse. Uh, so now they're saying you got to do four. No, you got to do five. You got to do five 12-hour shifts a, d- a week or you lose your job. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now you got to do that for the next year. You know what? Somebody's going to say, I want to see my kids. Right. Um, and and that's what they, that's what they're doing. And so when we say we're overwhelming the healthcare system, that's what's going on. That's why we've got um, the National Guard at our hus- our local hospital here, and many other hospitals do to try and supplement that. But it's not w- w- that's what we need. It's the resources. Well, we have a lot of ventilators, right? I mean, we're, are we still running yeah, out of the, ventilators? Because I thought we had we solved that problem after the first wave. Yeah. No, I think I think the actual machines, it's okay. It's the staff to we have beds, we have them. machines, we have medicine. Mm-hmm. The staff, okay. Is there? Um, yeah, I, that I'm ignorant of how many yeah. how many doctors and nurses are required for a a ward of COVID patients. Yeah. I mean, they're basically they're on a ventilator, right? Um, you know, another way they're laying there trying to get better, taking some medicine. Is it, is it like a, are they, are they hand and foot dealing with one patient? Not each person, but there's, but like one respiratory therapist can have a certain caseload of mm-hmm. patients. And I'm not sure what that is. I'm not a hospital manager, but, uh, one ICU nurse can have maybe two patients, an ICU nurse, mm-hmm. a regular med surge nurse can have more, um, uh, and doctors can see what you know the people they can yeah, see. Two's not a lot for an ICU nurse. Yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, that's not a lot of uh, beds. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so you can add beds to the to the uh, to the area. She's not going to see more than two patients on a shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But that's I, what they're saying, yeah. and so then they're saying, okay, you ICU nurses, okay, this shift you got to see three patients. This shift you got to see four patients. And it's just not, and they're quitting. That's what right. that's what's driving awesome nurses to quit. I I would love to hear someone. I have some friends who are doctors. Maybe I need to call them and ask them. I would love to hear more about that. If 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 there's any solution to be had in changing our current triage procedures or our, uh, you know, you don't want to create a um, a tiered society. You know, a first class, second that's class. That's what it sounds like you're suggesting. Um, well, I, I don't know if that's, that's what I'm suggesting. I, I don't think I would want that at all, but, um, there is a, uh, it's a public service. Yes. And it is clear that the unvaccinated are jamming up that service. Correct. And before you mandate a vaccine, an experimental drug, or, you know, maybe it's not experimental now if you get Pfizer, um, uh, although I've heard that the, the current FDA-approved vaccines are not out. They're still, with you know, 
um, there's some changes that need to be. I'm not sure about that, but I'll yeah. tell you this: that that the other, the Moderna, the J and J, are uh, like the most. There's more evidence for their efficacy than uh, most approved drugs because yeah. they've been given out so much. To say that they're, they're still Pfizer's taking the lead though. The other, they're 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 falling off, and I don't I don't know why, but they're just not. Um, they're not being manufactured or received or given at the same rate. Mm-hmm. Um, people are are going Pfizer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the J and J is a one and done, which makes it very convenient if you're you're in a traveling situation like you sure, are, going sure, from sure. house to house, and you know you're not going to be able to follow up or right. certain certain situations where you can provide a vaccine and just it's over. Yeah, right. There's you don't have to wait and come you know, back. I wonder with with uh, it, the Pfizer being so popular, I wonder if it's because it was the first one to be approved for. Um, uh, provisional use, and also the first one to be approved by the FDA officially, um, as well as because it was the first one tested, it had the best numbers of efficacy. As uh, then, as Moderna uh, is not quite as effective, but almost. But a lot of people are saying, I think this is right. That we, there's no way to know, but it was they were testing it initially to find those efficacy numbers when there was COVID was more prevalent in society. And so the efficacy is down a little bit, but maybe that has nothing to do with the actual uh, drug itself or the, the you know the vaccination itself. But it's just that's the the system it was in. And then J and J is a little bit less effective than those two, and it was tested a little bit later when there was more COVID around. And so it's hard to you know we have to take those numbers. Into, but when you start seeing numbers like ninety six percent, ninety eight percent effective, and you go, whoa, that's the one I want. And I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. So you think there's there's no solution other than tightening the screws on the unvaccinated to get vaccinated? I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a great question. The idea of um, opening up beds at this point or opening up resources, I don't know how that would happen. I'm not a hospital mm-hmm. administrator, right. you know, so I don't— You th- should th- be. <laughs> maybe I should. <laughs> but I do work in hospitals a bunch, and I kind of see how the system mm-hmm. works, and so— uh, I don't see how that is a reasonable expectation right now. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then uh, I know that there are people who have, um, it, there are healthcare workers that have desired, have expressed desire to me and to many others, and it's mostly under their breath and as they're mad and frustrated. You know, let's just let all the unvaccinated people, let's just let them die. Oh gosh. And they and then immediately say, "Of course we're not going to do that. Of course we're not going to do that." Yeah. But they're, fr- they're that's how frustrated they are, and and they are going to care, and they do, and they will. And I I get that. I don't want people to think to to make our healthcare workers out to be the enemy. But they, quite honestly, they're frustrated because they know they know what's going on. They see that that uh, the person's been on a ventilator for uh, you know uh, six six weeks is gonna mm-hmm. is likely gonna die. And they took up a ventilator and the resources for that for a long time, having decided not to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's get let's get more gritty. Um, yeah. What do you think ought to happen with churches? Um, should they require a vaccine to come worship? That's gritty for you. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, you know healthcare stuff is gritty for those of us in healthcare. Uh, that's a great question. That's a great question. And what do I think? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think we need to take some precautions. I think 
I am not ready at this point to suggest that we should uh, require vaccines to come into worship. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine. Okay. Um, I. Uh, Our church has in the past um, required masks, and I think that that was appropriate. And mm-hmm. I think it, it might be appropriate now or in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, that's different. Than that's very different. Putting a drug in your body. Absolutely. Um, I, I think I would want to urge people mm-hmm. to be vaccinated, especially mm-hmm. those of a high risk category. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Children, I feel differently about. They're a different animal. Uh, they're sure. they're not an adult. Yeah, and they're not really particularly at high risk. Right. There is risk. There's also some risk with vaccines, but not like I, I think the COVID risk. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and and I you know I want their immune systems to be strong and capable, mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. this virus to not be um, novel. Yeah. And so uh, I'm not sure an infection is a terrible thing. We don't really know yeah. what kind of long-term benefit your immune system will have from an infection, but it appeared early on that a more serious infection was going to lead to longer, more lasting immunity, mm-hmm. uh, just naturally. That's usually the case with these kind of diseases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'd have a difficult time suggesting that that you can't bring your kids to church unless they've been vaccinated. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm glad I'm not a business owner right now who has to make that decision mm-hmm. about your em- employees. Uh, masks, to me, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's just a little inconvenience. And if that, is, if that helps people, uh, it keeps the numbers down and then they feel safer. And, and of course it does all those things. Yeah. And they feel respected. Um, and, you know, all of that. Yeah. It's a small, small sacrifice. Sure. Compared right. to the vaccine. Yeah, well, potentially. Potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said last time, the vaccine may be on the cusp of really great medicine for all kinds of problems. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that, that kind of technology may be it's pretty amazing. the future. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still don't, I, I don't understand uh, the people who don't want to wear, we talked about this last time, I don't want to rehash that, but, you know, the people who don't want to wear masks or yeah. even don't want to get vaccinated. That's a little bit easier for me to understand, but it's still, it's still tough. You know, I saw a news report not long ago that uh, Donald Trump was having a political rally in Alabama. Let me see. Let me look this up. This was on August 21st, and uh, he was advocating at his political rally in the middle of his speech for vaccines. Right. He, I, I just printed this out. He said, uh, it, it's hard to read Trump's uh, hmm. uh you know, a quote from him because when you write it down, the way he talks is just—it's uh, well, almost incoherent when you when you read it you, out loud. Can you impersonate him? Maybe no, I can't. Okay. <laughs> uh, if I do, it'll it'll sound uh, it'll sound uh, terrible, really bad. Um, yeah. Anyway, he says, and you know what? I believe totally in your freedoms. I do. You've got to do what you have to do, but I recommend take the vaccines. I did. It's good. Take the vaccines. And that really surprised me when I heard that he had said that. But even more surprising was that the crowd at that moment oh, I heard turned this. on they him. They booed. They booed yes. him. Yes. They booed him yeah. at his own political rally. And it's almost nothing but cheers, but they booed him. And so uh, after they, you know, as they were booing him and he heard it, he continued. And he said, no, that's okay. It's all right. You've got your freedoms. Uh, 
it's very interesting that he's you know he's he's uh, he acknowledged he like okay yeah, yeah you got your freedom but you should take the vaccine. Well, it, he's allowed to express his opinion. Of course, he is. And I don't think that that people should boo an opinion they disagree with. That, that's our climate right now. It's yeah, ridiculous. Right. The cancel culture is working on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know. Shut the p- person up who's saying something opposite to what I want to hear. Right, right. Well, and um, but it's interesting to me that that's kind of the right, and he kind of uh, epitomizes that, that. Yeah, that right. And and here's a group of people that are, uh, I guess, to the right. I mean, a whole at his political rally to the right of him. Although I don't want to say it's it's a right leaning thing to to not want to get vaccinated. Although it, it kind of is, but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't. That's not. I think that's really been demonstrated. Uh, yeah, it, it's been demonstrated. I think. Um, I, I don't know if, if we can trust all these uh, the sti- statistical yeah. analysis. You know, who, I don't know who's doing them and all that. Yeah. But um, it's been shown that the, that it's more conservatives who are not being. Well, that's right now. That's right. right now. That's true. You're right about that. But I think it has a lot to do with the way that the. If we had any other. Uh, if we had Reagan in office or either of the Bushes, you know, other, uh, I, I don't think that we would have this problem at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the right would be less vaccinated. I think there's something unique about Trump. I think this, uh, the issue there with people not wanting to be vaccinated, the part that, that I get is I don't know what this drug's going to do to me long term. And I don't feel particularly at risk for getting COVID. I don't think it's going to kill me or hospitalize me. Um, and I, I guess I can understand that point of view. Yeah. Um, the point of view I don't get is the whole conspiracy. Uh, this is some other agenda. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it, you know, I, I don't know why this this virus was being studied. I don't know if there was nefarious reasons or if there, you know, that that all is somewhat suspicious to me. Yeah. Um, and I'm willing to say there could be something there. Are they trying to produce a, a, a biological you know, warfare is this some is this population control? What was the intention in dealing with this? I don't know. I don't know yeah. the answer there. And so, of course, I'm I'm free to dream about that. Um, but I don't believe that that science and these drug companies scrambling to come up with a vaccine to prevent the loss of life it, there, that there's any conspiracy theory at all. Yeah, you know what I've just noticed. What's that? I am um, about halfway through yeah. my beer, and you are not done with one. I, no, I'm done with one. Okay, so you got to get into the. Other I got to open up another one, but you're ahead of me. That's that's true. Yeah, and uh, we're we're making we're proving a point here. We're, okay. <laughs> I I by the way, this is delicious. I don't know if you're enjoying those. I am definitely not. enjoying it. Okay, I'm definitely enjoying it. You know that would taste better because mm-hmm. I remember I I like high quality beer better than low quality beer, but yeah, yeah. I also like low quality. I beer. I got you. I, I'm just teasing you. No, that's fine. No, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna tease you. You got a right whole back. six pack to yourself. You just bought. <laughs> beer for me and that works i could do this <laughs> very good well um anything else we need to say about this at this point i don't think so but there's another topic we can talk about yeah it's totally separate we continue to drink beer to eat oatmeal cream pies and have good conversation our thoughts turned at this point to the texas ban on abortion We're going to play that part of our conversation next week. But for now, here's something completely different. I have a great topic for us. How old is the universe? Older than the earth, I'm guessing. 
I suppose. <laughs> but that whole, like, origins. Where did all this come from? Right. And how old is all of this? Yes. This is a huge topic, and, and a lot of people are... It's an emotional topic for a lot of people, mm. is what I have found. And I have changed my view of this tremendously. Mm. And this is a topic that has been a hot topic for Christians from the beginning of Christianity. Actually, before that, from long before Jesus, this has been a very difficult thing for people to figure out. What is Genesis 1 and 2 and 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 later on into Genesis? What is this talking right. about? How do we interpret this? Right. What is the genre of Genesis 1 through 11? Does that impact its yeah. you know, interpretation, the totally. hermeneutics of it? How are we to, to understand it? Right. You know... Uh, you mind if I butt in for just a second? <laughs> I think what's really important to yeah. start with this conversation okay, yeah. is talking about how God speaks to us. Sure. Um, that he speaks to us through what he has created. Yes. That can be studied. Oh, no Can question. be quantified yeah. and measured and find statistical significance in. Yeah. That's all scientific inquiry. Yeah. And we can hear the voice of God through that, what we call general revelation. Correct. And then we have the specific, the special revelation mm-hmm. where God has spoken through prophets. And, you know, Hebrews 1 says he's spoken to us at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. Yes. Jesus is the, the full manifestation yes. of the logos, yes. right? The word of God made flesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God's speaking to us, and that we call that special revelation. Right. And a lot of folks who hold to the, the six literal creation days uh-huh. believe that that special revelation mm-hmm. is the uh, is clearly teaching that right, and I would I just want to say um, that God speaks to us also in general revelation, and those two things will never disagree in their Correct. proper interpretation. Correct. So you can you can have the uh, wrong interpretation of special revelation or the Bible. Yes, and you can also have uh, a, an improper interpretation of scientific data and you know theories and so forth. That's right. But in their proper interpretation. Those things are not going to disagree. God is not going to, uh, um, uh, what's the word? Contradict yeah. himself. Contradict That's himself. What, yeah. Exactly, yeah. He's not going to contradict himself. He's speaking through both of those ways. The older theologians used to say that God has written two books, the book of his word and the book of his world, hmm. and that we have to read them both, and that because God is so consistent, the two books will agree with each other if we understand them rightly. Yes, that's yeah. all I wanted to say. I don't. Yeah. No. There's good examples of that of of people struggling with that because you're right. I think the, yeah. the people who believe in, um, no. Let me be really careful. There is a subset of people who believe in literal six day creation, 144 hour creation. Uh-huh. There's a subset of those folks who think that uh, that their interpretation is necessarily right, and I think that yeah. we need to be careful of how we interpret. The Bible and how we interpret scientific facts. So you got For the sure. facts there, but then how we interpret it, it's not possible to come to any conclusions um, apart from interpretation. Yeah. Right? And that's the hermeneutical spiral that Completely. you learn about in seminary. That's, that's right. You, you're going to apply special revelation and general revelation as you spiral into the truth. Yeah. That's uh, right. I'll give you a couple examples. Um, Martin Luther once wrote this. He said, This fool Copernicus wishes to reverse the entire science of astronomy by claiming that the earth spins on its axis and that the earth revolves around the sun. But sacred scripture tells us that Joshua commanded the sun to stand still and not the earth. 
Wow. Right? So that's Joshua chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. That's in, in, And indeed, that is exactly what the Bible says, is that the earth is going to, excuse me, that the sun is going to stand still. And um, there are there are people still today who believe in a um, a geocentric universe because of right. what the Bible says and a flat Earth and a, well so and a flat Earth. I don't know if they believe that because of what the Bible says. <laughs> well, the four this is the four corners of the Earth. You know, I don't. So I don't know of, yeah. of people who I would imagine that there are, but I actually do know that there are people. Um, who, who do believe that the earth is the center and that the sun revolves mm. around the earth because the Bible specifically No, I did says not know it. there are still people who believe that. Yeah, uh, the flat earth are. thing, I, I promise you, I swear to you, someone thought, how far can this <laughs> yeah. go? I'm going to make this up. I'm going to bring this back and see if we can convince some people of this. Um, but uh, when the Bible says the four corners, I think it's it's talking about north, south, east, west, like just... right. Yeah, um, it, and in an even metaphorical way, or like the the what I would say, the, a literal use of language. Yes, but not a literalistic right. use of language. Um, yes, and further, the uh, there's a psalm that refers to the world as a sphere. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, anyway, um, I'll give an exa- another example uh, on. The website, Answers in Genesis, which is uh, devoted completely to the 144-hour creation, uh, six-day literal creation, and they also say that if you don't believe in that, then you don't believe in the gospel. Okay? So they, uh, in, in, on that website, they refer to that passage in Joshua that talks about the sun standing still, mm-hmm. and it says uh, that the passage, quote, uses the language of appearance and observation, end quote. And so it's saying... They're saying they're arguing that scientifically we know that the Earth revolves around the Sun, which I appreciate them saying that. But they're saying that oh, we have observed that the Bible is is uh, so the Bible and the Book of God's Word, the Book of God's World don't match up, right? And so in this this instance, they are picking the Book of God's um, World and saying that is scientific. That is actually accurate and truthful, and that the book of God's word is using appearance and observation uh, to just describe what's happening from our point of view. And so they're both correct, but that's how they're explaining it. But then they don't use that same sort of logic in other places when they could, I think. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, that's what uh, I think you're trying to say, is that there are different ways of seeing this. Um, when the Bible and science appear to contradict each other, it's, they don't, they actually don't, but we got to figure out which of our interpretations, the interpretation of science or the interpretation of the Bible, uh, needs to be corrected, or maybe both. Right. Yeah. And so it's a struggle. It's a struggle for all of us, and it has yeah. been going back to before the time of Jesus. St. Augustine, um, in the 4th century, 5th um, century, was talking about... 4th century or 5th century? I forget. Somewhere uh, there. In the 400s, 400s. that would be 5th century. That's 5th century, right? right. That's why I, I always get confused. 400s, 5th <laughs> century. That's right. Um, throughout his life, he, had, he held to multiple different views of how God created the world. He settled in the end, on instantaneous creation, that God created the world, the entire thing, in an instant, hmm. using no time whatsoever. I don't know anyone who believes that, but it's hard. You know, I don't really want to argue with St. Augustine. He's a lot smarter than I was. Huh. Um, is, it, is that like the Big Bang? Well, no, because that even that took time. 
Even yeah. that took time. He certainly didn't have an understanding of evolution. That was, <laughs> or any sort of uh, that uh, cosmology in that way. But he did write this in one of his books, uh, "The City of God." He said, "In matters that are so obscure and far beyond our vision, we find in Holy Scripture passages which can be interpreted in very different ways, without prejudice to the faith we have received." In such cases, we should not rush in headlong and so firmly take our stand on one side that if further progress in the search for truth justly undermines this position, we too fall with it. I think that's a, that's a mm-hmm. great way to say it, uh, that we need to be careful about how we think about these things um, that Christians have, been, have never had consensus about um, since Jesus. Yeah. And yet there are some people that are very dogmatic about this topic. Right, and that's yeah. where the emotion comes in. And I think that's it's sad to me that it is yeah. that way. Well, I think they feel that that their interpretation is scripture and it, if you believe something different, it's an outright denial of God's word. Right. Which I would I would be emotional about too if I agreed with that. Sure. And I think at that some point sense. in history in my history I did. Mm. I did agree with that. I didn't understand um yeah. and now I'm largely agnostic about how things got here scientifically. Mm. Um, you know, I know the earth is old, uh, or you at the very least have to believe, if you want to believe in six literal days, I think you have to believe what they call mature earth theory. Sure. That it was created with a history. Mm-hmm. I just find that odd. I don't think God would do that. He seems to work through processes, and I don't, I don't really think that would be a—seems misleading to me. Yes, I agree with you um, about about that as well. I have the same intuition, and yet I will caution both of us, and I and I know that you're on board with this, that when we say, uh, I think I know how God works, and I know yeah. what he would do, <laughs> like, eh, we, we need to be careful about that. For sure. Uh, but it does feel to me that way, that, you know, what I know of God, but of course he's going to surprise us no matter how well we think we know him. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. It would a, a six day literal creation or a hundred forty four hour creation that was like six to ten thousand years ago, uh, which is the, the, you know that that view typically has, um, would require uh, the appearance of age, a creation with the appearance of age. So the trees all have rings, and Adam and Eve have belly buttons, and you know and the light that is coming from stars from you know right. um, uh, you know many many light years away. Uh, is already here that light that that when the creation happened, uh, the light was on its way already. Yeah, right. That kind of thing. And that there was already oil reserves in the ground. Yes. And limestone runoff, like the entire state of Florida, right, um, was already there. Right. And tectonic plates exactly. that we see under the ocean were there. These things were created in in and like they've been there for for billions of years. Right. With that appearance, right. um, with that, with, with that, with actuality, right? Um, the ice cores are as uh, compacted with layers of of ice from, uh, you know, so that everything a million looks years like it's of ice of years old. Yeah, right, that's right. right. Everything looks like that, and consistently looks like that. That's called the mature Earth theory, right? And I think if you're an, a young Earth creationist, I think you have to hold it's to that required. View. Yeah, yeah, it's required. That's right. But the so let's talk about the young Earth, um, hundred forty four hour creation. Uh, when we look at Scripture, it is the there's no question in my mind it is the the most obvious interpretation from a Western contemporary culture uh, of this text. 
It is definitely the most natural yes, read. Exactly. Yeah, when you look at the Bible, it says, oh, well, this is what he's saying. It's the most, well, I, I, the reason I put the culture in there is that it's the most natural read for us. Sure. Yeah, for us in our culture. Fair enough. Which is not true for all cultures. But for certainly for us, it's, it seems like very obvious. This is what it means. Um, it says evening each day, evening and morning. There's the first day, evening and morning, mm-hmm. the second day. That seems like 24 hours. Um, yeah, yeah. And then in Genesis 2, there's, uh, they would say there's a, we have a closer look at the um, sixth day of creation where it's kind of a zoomed-in view where God makes Adam um, uniquely, and then, there's, you know, then he makes Eve a little bit later. So that's the most obvious. However, anyone who's re- spent some time reflecting on that, there are some serious problems mm-hmm. with, that, with that interpretation. Um, it's interesting to me that the sun is not created until the fourth day. Right. What does it mean to have an evening and a morning the first day, evening and morning the second day, the third day, when there is no sun? Right. I don't. I don't even understand what that means. How How could that? How could there be an evening and morning? Yeah. Um. Then it's interesting. Also in chapter two, verse five. Um, after the creation of the heaven and earth, quote-unquote heaven and earth, after everything is created, then there's still no plants or grain. Mm-hmm. And so God needs to create those at that point. That's kind of strange. The other thing th- that I remember learning very early on, someone pointing out to me, and I, I don't hear this pointed out very much when I, in these discussions like this, but it's been overwhelmingly convincing to me, and that is on the sixth day, in Genesis chapter 2, on the sixth day, think about all the things that have to happen on the sixth day. Right. Okay? In the, on the sixth day, God forms Adam and breathes into him the breath of life. Then, after that, God plants a garden and places Adam then in the garden. Okay? Then, Adam names, quote, every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and all the livestock. Right. End quote. He names all of them. And then, after that, God puts Adam into a deep sleep. And then, God takes a rib and forms Eve. Then, Adam wakes up and uh, and names Eve. This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Okay, so all of that has to happen in what Genesis 1 calls the sixth day. Evening and morning was the sixth day. Right. How does that happen in 24 hours? Yeah, especially when you're talking about tens of thousands of animal groupings. He named them all. Yeah. Each one. Uh, I've also been told that the the language there, uh, naming refers to observation and, you know, a little, uh, some time spent, some thought put into what I'm going to name this creature based upon observing it. Um, And, you know, tens of thousands of animal groupings? Yeah, yeah. I don't even know how that's possible, that he named... Every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and all the livestock. Yeah. How many seconds are in a day? I don't know, but it's not that many. Yeah. <laughs> even, if you're not, even if you take out the observation, like giving them names that are appropriate, even if you just, like, uh, just coming up with random words on, you know, a- right. hours after he first begins to exist. Right. Right. Even if he's just coming up with names on flashcards or something, like... It's just... It's still impossible. It's still impossible. Yeah. It's still impossible. Something different is going on there. Yeah. 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 Another th- another um, weakness here is that it just so happens, it just so happens that Genesis 1 uh, is makes for really good Hebrew poetry. 
poetry yeah. without being poetic. Um, the genre is very difficult, as you mentioned earlier, to, right. to say. But it's poetry without being poetic, um, or it's poetic without being a poetry. Maybe that's a better way to say it. What I mean is this. P- uh, Hebrew poetry, of course, Hebrew literature, loves parallelisms. Mm-hmm. Parallelisms. So Genesis 1, verse 2 says that the earth was formless and void. First three days of creation take care of the formless problem. Right. The second d- three days of creation f- take care of the void problem. Right. Um, and then there are parallels between day one and four, right. two and five, three and six. So day one, God separates the light from the darkness. That's the uh, taking care of the form. We're going to create some uh-huh. form here. And then the parallel day on day four, sun, um, moon. sun moon, and stars to right. fill the form that he's created there. Yeah. Then you go to day two. You've got separating the waters above from the waters below. There's the form. We'll create some form. And then in day uh, five... We, uh, he creates the birds to go in the waters above and the fish to go in the waters below. And the plants. And yeah. the plants. Yeah. No, plants are on day three. Oh, you're right. That's right. Um, but there's the form, filling the, so creating the form on day two and then filling it on day five. Then in um, day three, he cre- separates the dry land from the water. And so uh-huh. there's the form again, creating form. And then and then the plants there, and then filling it with all the creatures, the creeping things, and so and then and then Man, humanity. Yeah, humanity. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, uh, you know, it could be that God decided to create the world in such a way that would make really great Hebrew poetry, or it could be that there's something else going on here. Yeah, yeah, and that's called the framework framework view. Yeah, that's right. Um, that that the author intended. Poetically, yes, uh, to theologically explain that this was God's creation, right? But not scientifically, right? Give detail on how He did that or the process. Not even concerned with the process, just explaining that this was this was God doing this. Correct. He's behind it, and how He did it is well. Who's to know? Yeah, that's right. Because that's not even the point of right. it. In addition, uh, in, in another support of that is that most of most or maybe all of the very specific things that are mentioned that God created in the in Genesis 1 uh things like sun, moon, stars, fish, birds, it specifically says cattle. There's a few why would it why would it uh you know cattle seems like a very small anyway, um almost all those things were th- were things that were deified and worshiped by uh the people that were um that the original readers would have encountered in the mm-hmm. next, I mean, as as they go into the promised land, right? So Moses wrote this, that's what we believe. Moses wrote this, and he's writing it to the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, at, in their birth of the nation, as they're about to go into the promised land, and that's where, so the idea is, he writes all this and says, God made all these things, then you go in and say, oh, here's people who worship the sun. You know what? My God made the sun. Yeah. Here's people who worship cattle. My God made the cattle. Yep. And so the, all the specific things, it seems like it has, it's not so much about history, but about theology, namely getting people ready uh, to be impervious to the theological inclinations and evangelism of the Palestinians. Hmm. Or those in, not pa- Palestinians, sounds like it's yeah. contemporary. <laughs> I don't mean that. The, the people in Palestine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Canaanites. So, um, yeah, the other problem with the um, young Earth creationism that we that and we've talked about a little bit is that 
the is that the earth looks really old. Yeah. It looks super, super old. Yeah, I, th- I think there's, I don't know, 14 or 15 well-proven scientific ways to age yes. the earth. Independent ways. Mm-hmm. And they all line up very accurately at 4.5 billion years. Yeah, that's right. Um, and there'd have to be a, a lot of debunking of science uh, with better science right. for that to change. That's right. Yeah. And there are people who are trying to do that, but that what they're tending to do um, is uh, punch holes so they find one place where the science uh, is, is inconsistent. And there are actually a bunch of places like right. that. There really are. Right. Um, but they find, they find one place or here and then one place there, the different methods you're talking about. They'll find one place and they'll say, see, this debunks the whole thing. Well, we've, you know, I've talked about this a bunch before, that when you punch the hole in someone's theory, that doesn't mean that they need to abandon their theory or that they should. Yeah, uh, because you need to construct a better theory, and the overwhelming scientific evidence, no question, is for an old Earth. And there are a few places where we say, "I don't know how that fits in. That doesn't seem to fit in." But we don't yeah. throw out, air, you know, the overwhelming evidence. Yeah, that's why I I say I'm rather agnostic about it because mm-hmm. I'm not doing the science. Yeah, if I was a scientist and I was doing the science, I might sure. have stronger opinions. But I'm I'm taking the advice of other humans. And as it turns out, science is done by humans. Right. And they they have their own agendas and their own thoughts and their own politics and their own allegiances. And... Uh, but you have to be careful there that you don't become a conspiracy theorist either. Mm -hmm. Um, You you want to look at these things rationally and I I just take my time with it. There's no rush. Yeah, that makes sense. That (laughs) makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So um, my view is... Pretty much the framework view. I, uh-huh. I really think that that's that's the best way to look at Genesis. Um, I think it is the, um, but it's not without its problems. And one of the main problems with the framework view that allows for a very old Earth, or it could be young, we don't know. But it, you know, Genesis one, it's a framework view of the Genesis one and two. Uh, but one of the problems is that it, uh, there seems to be something different going on in the seventh day of creation where God rests. Yeah, and and yeah, you know, I'm go ahead forecasting what you're going to say. Go ahead <laughs> that we're still we're in, in the seventh day. That that right. we, we see in other parts of Scripture that that we have entered into God's rest. That He's still resting. I think our confession would would say He did His work of creation and yes. it moves to His work of providence. Yes, um, and we are in that seventh day resting yeah. in the gospel. That's right. That um, you know we're going to enter into the new heavens and the new earth. Yes. Um, in the future. That's right. And so we're currently in his rest, the seventh day. That's right. As well as being um, the, the, uh, the law of Moses, when it comes to the Sabbath day commandment says, it's be- we do that because God rested on the seventh day. And if, it, if uh, the framework view is that it's, this is all poetic, and so then does that mean that our rest can be poetic and not literal? Um, I don't think so. I think mm-hmm. very clearly that we are commanded to rest one day out of seven. And, yeah. um, and so then this makes it difficult for the framework view, and I, I recognize that's a, that's a weakness. Right. And you're leading us right to the view of uh, the analogy of the work week. Yes. The, what's called analogical days. Correct. Which is sort of a rehashing of the day-age theory, and well, kind of like it, mm-hmm. um, that those those are long periods of time, you yeah, know, epochs of uh-huh. history, yes. where there's millions and billions of years passing in those uh-huh. those eras. Yeah. 
Um, and there's all kinds of stuff happening mm-hmm. scientifically that we're, we can only guess about. Yeah. Um, and that God's purpose in framing it as a work week was not to say, hey, I, I did all this in a week, but to show us that we were to work six days mm-hmm. and then rest on the seventh day as an analogy. Yeah. Um, and that we are to, to have a Sabbath rest where we pause, where we look at what we've done, the work of our hands, and we we worship God and we give back to him for providing. Um, and so that, that theologically, I think, makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. Yeah. No, I think it, I, I think it does make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, that's, uh, there are problems with all of these, and we just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, one of the problems with that is that um, it, when you have uh, on the fourth day the sun, is it is it being created on right. the fourth on that fourth yep. period of of, mm-hmm. of time? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you have uh, you have what was on the third day? The third day is uh, separating the dry land from the water, and then also the plants. So then you've got plants uh, yeah, that's before yeah, that's the plants. You have plants before the day sun. Day three plants before <laughs> um, day four the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so how does yeah how would that yeah, work? See, that's see, that, uh, that's where about, I've got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Non. Yeah. It depends on what we mean by plants. Are we including microorganisms or right. you know uh, what would what would someone say to that? Indeed, I mean it's difficult to say because we we've got basically the plant kingdom in day three, and then the animal kingdom in day six. But what about the other kingdoms? What about, uh, you know, fungi? Uh, and uh, anyway, it's Yeah, just, we just wouldn't know where to fit We don't know where to fit stuff that stuff in. in. And so, well, that's a, on the other hand, that's a very, very contemporary, um, modern way of thinking about classification. And that's not how they classify things in the ancient world. And so that's, we got to enter into the ancient world and try to figure out what's going on there. And we just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's funny when I when I go and I was transferring to a presbytery once and they they were asking me questions about my views on creation and I said you know I really don't know what happened mm-hmm. and and neither do you yeah um, so you keep trying to force me into a view right and I I genuinely don't know yeah uh, what happened right I'm open to God speaking through general revelation. And certainly special revelation. And right. when I look at the Bible, oh, of course I see a natural, oh, it yeah. looks like six literal days is what yeah. he's saying. Yeah. But then uh, there are some real big problems with that. Sure. So I have to say, okay, well, do I have the right interpretation here? Right. Uh, so what is the right interpretation? Well, uh, that may require me learning a lot more about science than I know. And you and I, were, we're science majors in undergrad. Uh, we're biology. And so mm-hmm. we have more information than, than a lot of folks. Sure. Um, but we're not doing the science. That's right, and and some of the science that I see happening with people who are who are demanding a young Earth, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure is making a lot of sense. No, and there's been a lot of talk. That things have gotten um, better in the young Earth scientists uh, than they used to be, but still, I hear language like uh, uh, we come up with our con- that, that basically boils down to we come up with a conclusion first, and then we find the science that will uh, move us to that conclusion. Yeah, well, I've heard... That's not science. Yeah. There's a... Um, the way that's been expressed to me, mm-hmm. uh, with quite a, a bit of degree of confidence, mm-hmm. is that what science... Uh, what mainstream scientists are doing is they're starting with science 
and then maybe trying to ad- address the scripture. And we start with the scripture mm. and then try to address sure. the science. And they, they make that sound like that is the most appropriate way to do things. Right. Like, oh, we're going to start with the Bible. Right. And um, I'm like, well, of course we're going to start with the Bible, but we need to be spiraling in the hermeneutical spiral closer and closer to the truth. I'm not we- sure what, I'm not sure that it's even, of course we're going to start with the Bible. Because all of it is God's revelation. All of it is God's truth. Right. And so we're discovering different things. What order do we need to go in? I don't know. Right. It doesn't matter. Well, I think we certainly need to know what the words... No question. Yeah, what we, he said, and then... The Bible's okay. a part of it, Now, what sure. does he An mean essential by this? part of it. Yeah. yeah. But none of us under- comes to... I mean, if you just think about how we encounter the world, our, our, our existence, it, 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 we encounter his world long before we encounter his word. All of us have so, get some sort of understanding of the world that he created before we hear his word. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's for everybody. And But I don't think one is primary over the other. We have to interpret both. Yeah. And our interpretations could be wrong on either one. Yeah. And I do believe that there is an agenda among many mainstream scientists to shut up Christians and uh, to deny any yes. any of their input as unscientific and faith-based and stupid. Sure. Um, and that, I think, changes people's thoughts and, and maybe even their data or their results. Yes. And then the same thing happens with Christians who Absolutely. Say, who, and, and then they're— That insist upon their view. And, and that changes the way they interpret things, right. both science and the Bible, in a way that's inappropriate. Why can't we come with open hands and say, God, show us what you did here. All truth is God's truth. Yeah. Let, you know, I don't need to defend the truth. The truth will speak for itself. That's right. That's right. And if, if there is something that doesn't fit, if my interpretation and theory doesn't fit all of the data I see, then either I need to change my instruments or something so that I, Uh my interpretation, but I need to change my interpretation in somewhere. To right. say, okay, the problem is with me, not with God's word or his world. Yeah. So when I'm sitting at Presbytery, yeah. what I'm saying is I'm fully confident that our interpretation of Scripture is going to change, yeah. and our understanding of science is going to change. Totally. And you're asking me to tell you something that I, I simply don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had a uh, one of my professors in seminary, uh, Dan Wallace, New Testament professor at, at Dallas Seminary. Uh, I remember he told the class one time, and I think he told me this individually as well. He said that uh, there are things that um, he said there are things that I would um, would die for. Uh-huh. There are things that I would fight for. There are things that are just will I, I'm willing to discuss. <laughs> right. And there's things that I'm not willing to discuss uh-huh. in terms of of like strengths of beliefs. You got this continuum. Yeah. And he said. Uh, Almost everything that I believe is moving toward the not willing to discuss uh, <laughs> side of things. Yeah. He said, but there are a few things, very few, but there are a few things that are moving the opposite direction that I'm willing to die for. Hmm. And he said, that's how it should be for all Christians in their Christian life. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I remember hearing that and thinking that is exactly right. There are things worth discussing. Th- these are things that are worth discussing. Sure. Uh, I don't think they were even worth fighting for. Yeah. And they're certainly not not worth worth dying dying for. Right. They're not worth dying for. Uh, There are a few things worth dying for. Uh, Yeah. Not many. You know, I 
I know folks who are, who are going to be very upset if they listen to this. Okay. Um, and I, I feel for them. I don't want to upset people. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, to act flippant or um, sure. dismissive or paternal or arrogant or any of those things. Yeah. I mean, we, we want this podcast to be hospitable mm-hmm. and rational mm-hmm. and reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you can you can chime in and tell us where you think we're wrong. Absolutely. On this, we we don't know everything. That's right. Um, but I would I just want to ask you: um, Do you know everything? Is it possible that your view of Scripture and your commitment to that um, could be wrong? Is that is that a possibility? Because mm-hmm. um, I I'm willing to say. Absolutely, my views can be wrong on oh, this. Oh, yeah. I, I, and, and I even don't take a view. You're wrong about a lot of stuff, Dave. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> um, and in this one, I just don't take a view. And it irritates people at, yeah. in Presbytery. They really want you know they want to nail me down on something. I say, hey, I don't know, and you don't know. When I was transferring to a Presbytery and they were trying to figure out all this stuff, I've done that multiple times, and I have frustrated them in this way. I do take a view. I have the framework view. Uh-huh. But then I'll say, my, my confidence level in that is very low. Yes, and so then they'll say, "You mean you don't, you, you don't yeah. have, you don't have strength of conviction?" And I said, "No, I don't." <laughs> That's right. You know, and and like, okay, but there are some things you I do have strength soupy of conviction. Sales, yeah, how could you possibly teach people on fro- the first you're, you're, book of, of the Bible, the right. first page of Scripture? You can't even tell them what it means, right? Exactly. Like, no, I think I do know what it means, but I'm open to learning more because it's not real clear. Yeah. And it's not, and I, and I have confidence that it's not real clear because Christians, for since there were Christians, since Jesus, have struggled with this. Right. We don't agree, and when we don't agree, man, I'm going to be really careful about this. But let me tell you, the few things that we do agree on, uh, that Jesus is Lord. Yeah. That He died on the cross and His res- His life, death, and resurrection mean that there's hope for the world and that He is on His throne and going to come back and bring. I mean, all those things. Those things we all agree on, and I'm willing to die for those things. Yeah. Agreed. This is William here. Earlier in this episode, we were drinking beers and talking about that, and we realized that we were referring to a conversation that we've never released before. And so here is that conversation, never before heard, where we discover that Dave is a beer snob and I am a beer hobo. Willie, I know you like a good cup of coffee. Yes, I do. I do not like coffee. Yeah. It, I like almost everything, but I don't like coffee. And I what wish- What is wrong with you? I don't know. I wish that I liked coffee because I feel left out. Yeah. Uh, it's at every function and people are always raving about it. And uh, let me tell you what happens when I drink the slightest bit of coffee. Okay. My, my heart races and begins to palpitate. Oh. Um, unlike soda, caffeinated soda or other forms of caffeine, huh. for some reason, co- the coffee really- I don't know. It gets to me. Have you tried decaf coffee? I I, I have not because the other part of the coffee is that I don't like it. <laughs> it's bitter. Oh, it tastes I, bad. I, yeah, I just don't want to taste it. Yeah. I don't want to smell it. Sure. Um, people are like, what? You don't want to smell coffee? It's an acquired taste. I uh, Well, I've heard that too. I've, I've tried. I've made my effort to right, acquire right. it, um, and I have not. Well, I had some coffee earlier this morning. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that you didn't even like the smell of it. Oh, well, I didn't, I didn't smell it. I'm, okay. I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of nose blind, <laughs> which is, uh, it's okay with me. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, 
uh, there's not a lot of good smells out there. Okay. Most of them are bad. Well, don't you, yeah, would there, you agree? There's a lot of bad smells. Yeah, there are a lot of bad smells. Not I a go lot to of lots ones. of nursing homes. There's a lot of bad smells. Yeah, well, that, that might be me one day, and I won't know me it. Me too, yeah. yeah so um, uh, sorry for whoever's taking care of me. I <laughs> truly am sorry. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, I feel left out. Everyone loves coffee. Yeah. Uh, but there is something that I have acquired the taste to that I didn't like initially, and now I really like, and that is beer. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, when I was growing up and I was a younger man, there was uh, the, the sad old store-bought beers yeah. that were never very good. Yeah. And slowly they got a little bit better. Okay, yeah. And I would try them here and I'd try them there. And I was trying to acquire the taste and, yeah. um, for similar reasons. There's a socialization yeah, aspect. Sure. and a, Yeah. Sure. And then, uh, then craft beer has come out. Yeah, that's big. And um, they have taken really wonderful dark yeah. stout beer- uh huh. And they will age it in a bourbon barrel. Oh yeah. And it gets some of that woody bourbon flavor yeah. in it. Um, these beers are if it if I pour it out, and it looks like liquid tar, <laughs> I know it's going to be good. You need a spoon. To... It is so dark. Yeah. So thick. It will have this big brown you know foam head on it uh-huh it will smell of bourbon uh-huh it will taste delicious yeah and it's usually at least 10 percent um and on up wow um, i think the best beer i ever had was 17 percent. what yeah which is which is like wine that's wine yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a, a, a high yeah. alcohol content for wine yeah um yeah so i've i have then been unable to return to any grocery store beer, to Miller Lite, I, I can't do it. I can't. I, I'll, why? Why would I do that? Yeah. When there yeah. is such amazing, flavorful beer. Okay. Robust, amazing beer. Yeah, I like good beer as well. And I remember uh, what a couple of weeks ago or a month ago or something, you gave me uh, a, a sample of. Like a really a, good a dark beer that you bourbon like. barrel stout. Which yes. one was that? Uh, that was Dragon's Milk. Dragon's Milk. That one's yeah. pretty readily available. Okay. Yep. Man, it was fantastic. It was maybe the best beer I've ever had, mm. and it it lasted not nearly long enough. Uh, you know, I, I'm drinking it. I'm trying to drink it slowly so it'll last because it's it was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, I also like the dark beers. Um, my go-to is a Guinness. Uh-huh. Which is not nearly as good or as dark as right. as uh, Dragon's Milk, uh, but it's still good. I uh-huh. like it. Uh-huh. But quite honestly, I'll I'll drink just about anything. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, I I cannot drink anything anymore. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I it has ruined me. And in this, I I have to say I'm I'm a beer snob. Oh, yeah. I've become a beer snob. I see. Yeah. So it's it's why would I drink something less than the best. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm an elitist now, I guess, when it comes okay. to beer. Yeah, so um if I'm going to if I'm going to consume the alcohol, yeah, which isn't healthy for you. Sure. If I'm going to uh consume the calories, which yeah. I don't need, yeah, because I'm thick and greasy already. Yep. Um that then I want it to be the the best option. I uh, can see that. It, it's like when you're eating a, a dessert. Yeah. There's a lot of dessert out there that you could eat and it's just it's it it may taste good but it didn't taste that good. Okay. You know, there there's some desserts that are just really good. Yeah. And if you're going to have those calories, those empty worthless calories that, you know, yeah. you're just going to store as fat and maybe maybe risk diabetes. Yeah. 
you know, the calories got to count. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be a a worthy dessert for those calories. So I understand the concept of that. Uh and uh And I can't argue with you. However, however. Yeah. With desserts and with beer and with coffee, I can appreciate the really nice, fine. I can taste the difference. Uh Uh-huh. And I'll I'll consume the bottom of the barrel, uh, you know, Miller Lite. Sure, if you if if someone if I'm at somebody's house and and it's you know some cheap, crazy you know watered down beer, yeah. I'll drink it and enjoy it. I was at a patient's house one time and they offered me coffee, um, insistently enough. We sat on the back porch, and so I, and she said, "Well, I make it kind of strong." I said, "That's fine. I like it strong," and it was the weakest. Uh, it was yeah. so watered down. I don't know what she you did. called the strong. I I didn't say anything, but yeah. that it was probably the weakest coffee I ever had. It was like coffee flavored water. Uh, it was awful. You didn't spit it out. I didn't. <laughs> what is the <this> swill? <laughs> um, no, I didn't because I I actually did enjoy it. I could, it wasn't as good as uh-huh. what I like uh, or what I prefer. But I got no problem drinking that. I got mm. no problem eating. Uh, you know, a store bought. Hydrox cookie um, for dessert, you uh-huh. know, or whatever. But uh, but really nice desserts, I, that is much better. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I, I can't disagree with what you're saying. You I'm, I'm I'm pretty indiscriminate. Yeah, although I'll enjoy the better stuff better. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, I'll I'll take just about anything. So I guess you know if if you're a snob uh, about your beer and desserts, I, I'm I'm a hobo. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'll just take whatever's that's whatever's right. in front of me. That's whatever's offered. <laughs> whatever's offered. Yeah, that's what I like. <laughs> You're a beer hobo. I'm a, I'm a beer hobo. Yeah, because yeah. the dragon's milk, fantastic. Hmm. But yeah, no, it's uh, and I guess when I think of, if, if I try to justify, it, I can't justify it. But in my attempt to justify it is to say, uh, the dragon's milk is so much more expensive. And mm-hmm. it's hard to find. And sometimes I just want a nice light beer, you know, something that's right now, and I feel like beer, and this is the case that's in front of me. Uh-huh. Uh, and, okay, that's fine. It's cheaper, and it's right here. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Do you okay. ever drink beer with the intent of having uh, any of the alcohol sensations? I have before, but not usually. So... To me, uh, I'm not even. I wouldn't even bother to drink alcohol if I'm not going to feel a little something from it. Okay. Why? Why even drink it? It's not. It's not good for you. It's. It's like a carcinogen. It's a toxin that your liver has to. You know, it goes to work, uh, ridding your body of it immediately. Okay. And until it's gone, your liver is functioning at capacity. Yeah. Um. Why would you do that to yourself unless you're going to have you know take the edge off and be a little more socially interactive or feel a little lighter and happier. Yeah. Okay. Um, so to me, I, I don't want to, if I'm going to drink Miller light, <laughs> um, it, by the time I drink four, five cans of Miller light, I could have had one bottle of dragon's milk. That's, you know, 12%. I can't argue with that. <laughs> it's way better. It know? is way the, better. I mean, can you, you can't drink four cans of Miller light and not just, you know, yeah, I, I talk about feeling like a hobo. I mean, <laughs> well, okay, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. So yeah, a, a, a really good beer, uh-huh. a 12 ounce bottle, yep. is going to cost four and a half dollars. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a lot of money for That's a bottle a of, of beer, right? Yeah. But 
but uh, I've had bottles of beer that were twenty dollars. Wow, and they were better. They were good. Okay, but yeah. I can't spend twenty dollars. But I'll spend four dollars. Sure. Yeah, because I just don't drink all the time. Yeah, and I and I do want a little something from the alcohol. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I wouldn't, you know, I sit down at dinner and like, hey, I just want a beer. I, I'm just, just not me. I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Just drink a beer with dinner because I like the taste of beer, and and you know the champagne of beers will do. No, I'm just not interested. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm self proclaimed in my beer snobbery. It's true. Yeah, and I guess I'm self proclaimed in my beer hobo ness. <laughs> Your indiscriminate beer hobo life. Well, <laughs> and coffee and dessert. And coffee and dessert and whatever else. Yeah, yeah. But I can. I'm a hobo who can appreciate the finer things. Yeah, <laughs> when I get them. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. Thanks for listening to the Hopper Podcast. Hey, what do you think about origins in the age of the earth? Let us know. Write us at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com or record a short voice memo on your phone and send it to thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. Let's keep the conversation going about things that matter and things that don't. Join us next time when we will discuss the yearly invasion of pumpkin spice. That's true. It is a yearly invasion. I don't like it. Yeah. If you've listened this far into the show, you obviously love the show. You can support us by parasailing with the Hopper Podcast official swimsuit. Or you can just subscribe or follow. And if you've already done that, think of somebody that you know that would appreciate this show. Share the Hopper goodness. The Hopper Podcast is brought to you by the good people at Gomer's Roadside Bank.